Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Hope for Chronic Pain podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Dr. Katinka Vandermeer. Dr. Katinka grew up in Johannesburg, South Africa, as the daughter of a successful chiropractic doctor. She followed in her father's footsteps and graduated from Parker College of Chiropractic in 1999. She has since gained a reputation for developing a novel, non-invasive treatment system for neurologic rehabilitation of chronic pain, resulting in breakthroughs for even the most hopeless and severe cases. Her and her team have gained international attention due to their unprecedented success rates in these cases. Kent State University is slated to be involved with the first study of her work starting this year. She is an international speaker and best-selling author of three books, Putting Out the Fire, Taming the Beast, and Wake Up, Miracles of Healing from Around the World. Dr. Katinka practices in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and is the CEO of the Spiro Clinic. I'm starting with a quote by Dr. John F. Demartini, one of my idols. There is a basic principle in physics that what you don't organize, nature will disorganize. Would you agree that the process of creating your own life is not a passive exercise? The word create implies taking action. Welcome. Today I want to discuss the law of thermodynamics, and it may sound boring, but it really, really pertains to our everyday lives. So what is this law? The second law of thermodynamics teaches us that which we don't organize, nature will naturally disorganize every single time. Just think of an empty house. Within weeks to months of being deserted, it will start breaking down. Our lives are very much the same. That which we stop investing energy in will stop serving us eventually. Entropy is a term in physics that means moving from order to disorder. Thankfully, the opposite is also true. With intention and energy, you can create negative entropy and go from disorder to order and from chaos to creating structure. Think of all the areas of our lives that require energy. We have our relationships with our loved ones, our immediate environments, our health, our homes. Another way to look at creating our lives is by creating our time, our space, and our days. While removing energy from something may happen slowly or fast and requires no effort, building something back requires tremendous energy and may take time. Life is funny though. Things are always moving towards entropy or away from entropy. Like I always tell my patients, things are never standing still in space. And that includes your life. Is it getting more chaotic or better organized? Are you getting sicker or healthier? Is your pain increasing or decreasing? And then there's the big question. How do you create when you're so sick? Health is something that we tend to take for granted until we lose it. Once we lose our health, we appreciate its irreplaceable value. It's worth more than things, money, success, admiration, and friends. Health is everything, as it allows us to do all the things we love day in and day out. When we're sick, everything requires loads of energy. We have to choose the few things we can manage every day, and not do all the things we would really love to do every single day. We miss our health when it's gone. We ache for it. 
While this new simple appreciation of the worth of a life without pain is a precious gift in its own way, it makes it very hard to create the future we want. We go from thriving to surviving. Instead of many goals, our goals tend to become focused on a single quest, to live pain-free. This is an understandable place to be in if you're in pain. It's not an ideal place, however. Being in this place may make you feel that everything is indeed falling apart around you. Simply stated, how do you create from a place of pain? Today, I'd like to welcome Kate. Kate is a patient currently finishing up our program here at the Spiro Clinic all the way from Australia. I chose her as my guest today because Kate has moved from entropy to building a new life with tremendous energy and I'm so, so very proud of her. Welcome, Kate. Thank you for having me. Kate, tell me about the condition you suffered from when you entered our program. I suffered from CRPS. I have had, I had seizures at the time. I also was in a terrible amount of pain and I wasn't able to walk. How long did you suffer? Seven years. Seven years is not a short time. No, it's not. And I can see that you're getting emotional now still talking about this. I do. I love your perspective because you were in pain for so long and definitely went to very negative places emotionally. I did. Yeah, I really did. I would say that from the minute I met you, Kate, you made a decision right in the beginning to move away from chaos and pain long before your pain actually started decreasing. How did you manage to do this? I think I've always been a fighter my whole life. I've had to fight for lots of different things my whole entire life. My dad calls me the Aussie battler. <laughs> And I've never lied down. I always get back up, no matter how impossible it may have seemed. So when I came here, my choice was live or die. And I chose to live. So every time I came with something that wasn't an unexpected event would come in my life, I had to choose live or die. So I chose life. So you were really, as we say here in the U.S., between a rock and a hard place. I really was. And you had to choose recovery or I'm guessing staying where you were was not an option for you? No. No, it wasn't. Were you suicidal at any point? Many times. Four, four I can clearly remember. I think for me there were many times my worst was when I tried to walk out into traffic. And if it wasn't for a man in hospital, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. He, he stopped me. That was my, my worst, and I had to spend some time in a, in a mental health hospital. And it wasn't that I didn't want to live. I didn't want to live in pain. I wanted to be here, but I didn't want to be in the body that I had. And it was really hard for my family to understand why I couldn't live for them. I was married with my husband and my mum and my dad, and I have children, and... I still didn't want to live. It wasn't enough. I didn't want to be in this body that I had anymore. It was getting so horrible. And I didn't want to be here. I just didn't want to feel this pain anymore. And so I, I chose many times not the great path, but it made me who I am. And 
it gave me empathy for those that feel the same way. Thank you for sharing that deeply personal experience. You can grab a tissue. So, Kate, I would say that your healing started before you ever got on that plane to the United States um, because you were not always positive. You, you told me at one point that watching our videos made you angry. It did. <laughs> would you care to explain? Yeah, well, at the time it was COVID and I... It took a, about six months for me to be allowed to leave my country. And I was allowed to come here, but it took a long time for me to be able to have all the documentation to leave Australia. And during that time, you, I remember Anna saying, you, know, you watch videos, read the po- listen to the podcasts and look at the videos. And I couldn't, I could do the podcasts. I listened to those many, many times. They gave me a lot of hope, but I couldn't watch the videos. I got angry that people were here getting help and hope and I wasn't I was really cross that they got here before me and I was really angry at those people and I didn't even know them but I was cross that how come they got here before me so Kate how did you leave anger behind to replace it with hope before getting on that airplane I had to decide if I was going to put the time because I was leaving my family, my home, everything I'd ever known and financial into this. What did I want out of this? And I said to my husband and my family, if I just got half the pain that I was in, I would be okay. I had to commit beforehand. What did I want? And I wanted to be better so much, so incredibly much. And so I had to do that. So Kate, do you think that it would have been helpful if you had that mindset, I don't know, five or six years ago? I think chronic illness is a journey. It's a journey of of good and bad. And I don't think I was ready then. I look now and and I was ready now and I I thought I was upset at the people, but I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready to commit. Wasn't that I was ready to commit to get better, I wasn't in the space in my head, in my mind to, to do that. I needed time to accept that I had this illness. I needed time to accept what it was doing to me. And I needed the time to prepare to, to get ready. And it took me a long time. I wish it hadn't have, but I can't focus on that. I need to focus on, I'm glad I was ready when I was when you said this is the appointment that I was able to really focus and get that this is a possibility. Yes, you can't look over your shoulder now. No. Only look forward. Only look forward. Would you say that you had trauma in your past, your childhood, that contributed towards your physical pain? And if so, do you mind discussing that? When I look back at my life, I've always had weird and unusual health issues. When I was thinking about this question, I was thinking about all the different trauma that I've experienced. I had abuse in my marriage for 13 years. There was abuse as a child. There was abuse in lots of different ways throughout my life from a very young age. And I never attributed any of that to my health. I just thought that was life for me, that I would have this very difficult life. I've always had weird and unusual things happen. I undiagnosed illnesses for two and three years and then it got magically better. 
I've always been the weird and unusual patient that never could find a solution to something. So when CRPS came along, it just seemed to fit in my odd basket of me. I thought, yeah, that sounds about right. So I'm not surprised in a way that it happened, but it did do a lot to my body. So I know you've done counseling and other things, but do you feel that that emotional healing process is also speeding up now together with your physical healing? Yeah, and I attribute a lot of that to this to this clinic and the different therapies that are offered here. I think is I don't think I would have done as well if it wasn't for all the different things. I particularly attribute a lot to Dr. Lucas and the way he helps you get out of your stuck and stuck habits and thoughts that I didn't realize were unhelpful and then seeing that how the other therapies would build on that and that for me really helped me heal the parts that needed to be healed for more than seven years probably my whole life. So Kate do you have advice for other chronic pain sufferers about how they can wake up hope within their hearts? I think when I didn't have hope, I tried to look for hope in others. When I didn't want to be here or alive, I, I tried to look at maybe there might be something. And it's very hard to try and have hope when you have none and, and don't want to exist. So for me, I think the answer is that there is, there is something that can be done and it's, and it's the clinic here. I think I've been struggling with what I want to do with my life now. I'm starting to get it back and I've noticed that my passion is to, to share my experience of here and to, to get the message out to as many people as I humanly can possibly get to so that they can have a choice, a choice that maybe I might have had sooner I could have chosen, but to have a choice and you do not have that with chronic health, everything is taken but this is the hope. The hope is here. The hope is to have a choice that maybe something will do that others haven't. And that is what I want to do. I think it's amazing that you're trying to help others. And I admire you so much. Did chronic pain and the suffering you had for seven years leave you with any gifts? Um, I think I'm more understanding of people that suffer. I can... People that try and hide it, you can read it a mile away. I can see it. I know that face, that, that mask that was worn. Uh, I think I'm more understanding. Um, I thought I'd be more patient, but I'm not. So that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like it has made me appreciate every little thing that I didn't. Every little thing that I can do now, I I truly have with a, a great, a gracious and grateful heart that my body is functioning the way it should and I don't think I'll ever take that for granted. I think that's the biggest gift that I, I want to impart to everyone is that it can get better and that your body can work again. Yes, if I may, you told me once that you were not always a very nice person and in your past, like all of us at times have been mean to others, um, you are so bubbly and so popular out in the waiting room now. <laughs> find that hard to believe but would you say this brought about a big personality change for you 
I think it was a very big part of my personality change is having feel, feeling like I was um, not heard and not seen and a big part of that was my illness and I think that brought a big change in my heart that I needed to be mindful of others and I was never like that and I am I see now the good things that my illness has done and I try to focus on what it brought me not what it took take, took from me I love that and Kate just to give others some hope um name some of the little things you can do every day now that people take for granted I can dress myself that's a very big one my husband used to have to dress me I can take a shower by myself without somebody there to wash and dry me. I can get out of bed all by myself and stand up on two feet that don't hurt. I can walk that doesn't cause any pain. I love that part. <laughs> That's my favorite. I can repetitively move my arms without causing pain. I'm thinking clearer. I feel like I'm alive for the first time in a long time. That is an amazing story. Kate, you've spent um, quite a bit of time here now in our wedding room. And um, do you notice uh, specific characteristics or commonalities between patients that do well in recovery, not just with our program, but period, moving towards healing, uh, and patients that do not do so well. The biggest factor is their attitude and how they view things. I find they either have a really great positive attitude towards their own health and healing or they don't. It's one or the other and I think that's the biggest contributor is how they view and how their mindset is. If they're waving, and I've gone through that where I wasn't sure and you're allowed to waver, but you need to be to be positive and heading toward that direction or you're negative and you're stuck in that one. And you can always move to the positive and I've seen that happen with few patients and few people in my life as healing is people that have moved from this negativity to I'm going to focus on the positive. And it's not positive that I'm sick, but the positive of I'm going to focus on what I can do, what is good, what is great, that the sun rose today the little things in life and I think they're the determining factors on if someone in my experience has done well. Thank you for that. I always say everything is energy. Every emotion holds energy. It's either a high frequency energy or a low frequency energy. So uh, changing your daily energy to a higher frequency, which certainly contributes to healing and to your daily health and your emotional state, consists of two things. It's all floating, uh, all negative things, and also adding positive energy. So if you have a solution that is too uh, acidic, you have to uh, add an alkaline substance to it. Same with emotion. So here's how you can do that at home. Uh, if you can write, get a tablet, uh, just a notebook, doesn't have to be fancy. And just sit there and designate a part of your day where you're just going to write um, painful events from your past, painful current events, things that negatively contributed to your life, things that you hold regret, pain or shame over, 
and just write your feelings down. It doesn't have to be perfect. You don't have to be able to read it. It's almost a process of just purging it onto the paper. In fact, we call it PPP, purging your pain onto paper. And then afterwards, you're going to destroy that paper. Uh, burning it is my favorite. Just don't uh, be a pyromaniac. Don't set anything on fire. Uh, but burning it is amazing. There's just sort of poetic beauty about that. Flush it, uh, tear it up, bury it, whatever you need to do. Do not go back and read it because then you're going to put some of that junk, some of that negativity back in your mind. So uh, there is great healing power to that. If you physically cannot write, you can voice record, just say it out loud and then destroy it immediately after. It's just a matter of getting it out. As far as ongoing current goes, the most uh, highest, the highest frequency feeling is gratitude. So you're going to have bad days. You're going to think negative things. You're going to have hopeless moments and fearful times. But keep a list handy on your cell phone or written down in your pocket of the top 10 things you're grateful for in life. And then just take each thing and hold it in your heart and mind a little bit immediately after you have a negative thought. I am grateful for my child or children. I am grateful that I can still hug them. I am grateful that I am alive and I saw the sunrise this morning. Whatever that may be, I am grateful that I still have love in my life. I'm grateful for my dog. Whatever that may be, just hold that for a second in your heart, feel the emotion and immediately you're adding alkaline to that acid solution. So Kate, I kind of took over that question, but um, something I want to ask you is that patients often experience shame. Uh, shame that they're sick, shame that they're a burden. Did you experience that too? Yes, a lot. I had a lot of shame that I was reliant on my family or my husband. I was a lot of shame that I couldn't do the things that I felt was the right of a basic person. And I was very ashamed that I could not do those things. And I felt very much a burden to my family. So if you can look back at yourself in the past, do you think it would have helped if you were more kind to yourself at the time? It would have. It would have made it probably a difference that I could see that they only wanted to help me and to help that I was in less pain or to help with my suffering. But I never viewed it like that. I, I wish I could go back and tell myself it's okay. It's okay that someone helps you because you feel like you have to battle this by yourself and there's no shame in having a tribe of people that you can rely on to help fight this with you. I think that is a requirement to have people that you can unload and, and share your, your deepest, darkest fears with and I think that is very helpful to have that as part of your life is to have people that will be there no, no matter what and I... I wish I was a bit kinder to myself, but I have learnt not to look in the past and I now focus on being kinder to myself now. I love that. So I want to take you to one of your darkest moments and that's very personal, but the reason I'm doing that is because so many of our listeners are having dark moments um, as we speak. They're in the place now where you used to be. There was, in fact, a time when you came very close to dying. We mm -hmm. talked about your suicide uh, attempts. 
um, you had to be resuscitated. Can mm -hmm. you talk about that a little bit? I've probably died three times in my life since I've been unwell. And one time I distinctly remember I was very, very unwell. I was in hospital and I knew something wasn't right. And I remember just leaving my body and watching the events outplay of people running in, trying to do CPR. And I just watched as this horrible event unfolded, but I was at peace. I was at peace that I wasn't in pain anymore. And I remember having a choice come back and live this life or go and I chose to come back and in that moment I remember coming back and having very look of relieved faces of my family particularly my husband who didn't want me to go but it had a very profound impact on me that my body didn't want to cooperate, but I decided I wanted to live. I think that was the first time in my chronic pain journey that I decided I wanted to live. And it was a very changed me. And from that moment on, I decided no matter what, I was gonna live. Even if it wasn't what I had chosen, but I was gonna live. I'm so glad you lived. Me too. Thank you so much for opening up, for sharing an intensely personal journey. I'm incredibly proud of you. Uh, your story reminds me of, um, I'm studying this professor that studied near-death experiences and he said it forever alters you uh, because afterwards you don't take things for granted. You're more kind to others, you're more empathetic, you're more appreciative. And to me, chronic pain is a drawn-out near-death experience and you survived that. I did, thanks to you and your wonderful clinic. And you. And me. And, and me. Thank you, Kate. Moving away from emotional and physical chaos starts with a decision. The payoffs can be tremendous, however, like they've been for Kate. When you are sick, it is very, very hard work. How do you get started? B.J. Palmer once said, seeing is not believing, believing is seeing. Start with quality over quantity. Fill your space, time and thoughts with high priority things and energies. Make sure that your space inspires you and calms your soul. Remove or ask someone to help you remove every single object around you that does not fill you with joy or that is bringing chaos to your soul. Clear up clutter and replace many things with a few things that mean a lot. Try to keep your space organized and chaos-free. Fill your time with high-priority actions that support your healing. This may mean listening to a podcast or watching a video of healing. Don't numb your pain with meaningless or negative interactions on the internet, for example. As much as possible, fill your day with things that make you happy and inspire you. It may be as simple as cuddling with a pet or watching a sunrise. 
It may be as simple as telling a loved one that you love them. Keep all your actions, thoughts and energy focused on hope with a singular determination that may be shaky at times but cannot be destroyed by fear. Healing takes detailed planning instead of sitting back and hoping for the best. Let's end with a parable today. An old Cherokee is teaching his grandson about life. A fight is going on inside me, he said to the boy. It's a terrible fight and it's between two wolves. One is evil, he's anger, fear, hopelessness, despair, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies, false pride, superiority, pain, and ego. He continued, the other is a good wolf. He is joy, hope, gratitude, peace, love, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The same fight is going on inside you and inside every other person too. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then asked his grandfather, which wolf will win, Grandpa? The old Cherokee simply replied, the one you feed. Please be conscious of the wolf you're feeding every day. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are excited about every new person we are able to reach. It is our most sincere hope that our podcast will bring hope to many. If you or someone you love is suffering from chronic pain, please don't lose hope. Visit our website at www.thespiroclinic.com for more information and stories of hope. That's www.thespiroclinic.com for more information and stories of hope.